You are listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. You can put your whistles and glow sticks away. It's time for the show. My name is Christian Corley and with me this week is Ben Stegner. How are you, Ben? Hello, doing good, Christian. Feels like uh, summer is about to be here. A lot warmer than the last time we talked. And uh, yeah, doing good. Beautiful weather, though. I'm glad to hear it. It's been um, quite glorious here today, although the days leading up to it have not been so. So I'm not uh, completely convinced that there is such a thing as summer anymore. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I guess we will have to wait and see. I was kind of edging towards a very uh, sort of brick-like segue into our topic this week which of course if you've um if you've somehow stumbled across this across this podcast you will know already if you've got it on autoplay then you may not so um, we're basically here to um I, I guess we're kind of just celebrating what is probably the greatest games console in the world are we and that's kind of it the this switch, week correct the nintendo switch yeah now i um we, we've 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 collected a bunch of links and fun facts and interesting topics to talk about concerning the nintendo switch this week i just want to just kick this off by saying because you know some people listening with their with their xboxes and then and their uh their, their playstation 5s and <laughs> their stages <laughs> i'm joking um, I don't think anyone actually has Stadia, so we don't have to worry about them. Yeah, I know. Um, look, say, look, this this headline says it all. Switch sales push Nintendo's total handheld sales over 500 million. Now, they're still selling DS and DSi, but I mean, the, the Switch has sold 84.59 million units. And, it's, and that includes the Switch Lite. Yeah, that's a lot of units. Looking at the breakdown, so yeah. 84.6 million for the Switch and Switch Lite. Um, this this figure link uh, loops the Game Boy Color, Game Boy Pocket, and the Game Boy all into one group. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of a uh, controversial. It's not the right word, but it's kind of a topic of discussion. I consider the Game Boy Color a separate system sure. because there were so many unique games for it. So. I wonder if you take out Game Boy Color, how many that's had because that has uh, 118.7 million. Um, I don't know. It depends on how much longer the switch goes for. It could possibly overtake that. I don't know, but those are incredible numbers either way. It's already beaten the Game Boy Advance, which was very popular as well. The most important thing about this is not just I mean, standing it alongside the other consoles isn't really the other current consoles, of which there are, let's face it, in four or five, isn't there? Because there's the two Xbox series and there's the PlayStation 5 and there's the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, and these are all current, we're a crossover generation, and Nintendo have habitually released a piece of a, te a, 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 a console at that point of crossover um, repeatedly over the past few years, so I don't think that it, it benefits anyone to kind of directly compare the Nintendo Switch with PlayStation or Xbox. It's, it's, in, it's kind of in a different ballpark. I was going to say League of Its Own, and maybe it is, but it is in a completely different area, isn't it? Because it does so much yeah. more, and it's so much more flexible. I would agree. It, I mean, Nintendo did the same thing with the Wii U. I mean, the Wii U came out in 2012, and that was the year before the PS4 and Xbox One came yeah. out. So it was kind of the same thing where it, like, started the next generation, but it wasn't as powerful as the consoles to come after it. 
So the Switch did the same thing. It came out in 2017, and then in 2020, we have these new systems. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, three years is a long time, and Nintendo isn't targeting to be the most powerful hardware out there, obviously. So it is kind of its own, like, half-generation step. I have a, an Xbox One, and we also have a Nintendo Switch. And I have found that maybe particular games are more suited to the Switch than the Xbox One, although... On the other hand, I'm not sure if that entirely plays out the way I might think it does. We have Lego games on the Xbox and we have Lego games on the Switch and they get equal amount of play. I don't have many modern first-person or RPG games on the Switch, but I do on the Xbox. So they tend to get played more there. But it's like a system that will do pretty much anything, isn't it? Because you can go off and play one-player games wherever you want with it. Or you can invite a friend round and play multi two player or four player games, whatever, wherever you want with it. Or you can just dock it and play it with a big screen TV with as many people as you like, playing at any type of games. And I think the flexibility of the Nintendo Switch isn't anything new, but for a family that's had a Wii and then a Wii U and then a Nintendo Switch, you can see this line of um uh, evolution basically i mean the, the wii u is basically a nintendo switch with without the bits that come off yeah yeah i would agree i remember when the wii u was new ish um yeah i think you're right that the, the switch is kind of what the wii u wanted to be yeah if that's yeah. fair yeah, i remember yeah. what i was going to say was i remember when the wii u was new there were pictures of people like because you could play the wii u just on the gamepad but you still had to have the console plugged in yeah so there were pictures of people like in an airport that had their Wii U plugged in and they were playing the game on the gamepad. Like you could do that. It was just clunky. And then obviously the switch kind of cut out the console middleman just by having everything in the tablet itself. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think the, the main difference, I think we've talked about this on a previous episode was like the perception of the switch was clear from the start. And I think that's what got people so excited about it. I think the Wii U had the problem of, um, well, Nintendo's marketing wasn't great at that time, but it had the problem of having a name similar to the Wii. So people didn't know if it was like a Wii 2.0 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and the fact that it used Wii remote controllers for some of its games and features, that kind of was confusing in the same way. So the Switch, you know, from the very first commercial, it had them playing a game and then picking it up off the dock and playing it on the go. Like that was, it was clear what it want, what it wanted to do. Yeah. I think that's what made people get so excited about it easily. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the excitement's continued, and Nintendo is planning to release a new Switch in 2021. So there's the original Nintendo Switch, there's a Switch Lite, and now there is apparently a new one coming along. I am curious how this is going to play out, because I think, well, this won't be the first time Nintendo's done like a half step. Um, The new 3DS was kind of like that, released a couple years after the original 3DS, and it had um, the extra control nub. It had ZL and ZR buttons on the shoulders, and then it had a little bit more RAM. I think it was more RAM or maybe a better CPU. So there were a couple exclusive games, um, and it had better 3D tracking at the time, too, which kind of ended up not getting used. So I'm curious how this will go generation-wise, like we were just talking about, because the Switch came out in 2017. So if we see a new Switch this year, it'll be four years in between. So I don't know. Will there be exclusive games to the Switch Pro or whatever comes out? It would be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it is uh, a tricky one to try and guess. Nintendo obviously um, wouldn't keep a lid on it, and 
the previous iterations, as Ben says, have been um, slightly um, some good, some bad. And then there was a second, sort of like a secondary version of the Wii, wasn't there? There was a little bit smaller than the original Wii. And yeah, there were actually two, I think. Yeah. One of them was just a little bit thinner and it, it cut out the GameCube support. And then there was like a Wii Mini that had, it was like a top loader. Where yeah. You put the disc in like a cover. Those were kind of both. I liken those more to like the PS4 Slim or whatever, like those type mm-hmm. of iterations where they just kind of make it a little bit smoother. I mean, cutting out the GameCube support stinks, but they, yeah. those weren't like more powerful systems, whereas this will be like a, a half step in, in, in the generation. Well, do you know, it's funny you mentioned GameCube there because um, it was a retro platform from uh, tw- 20 plus years ago. And I was, I was looking at my GameCube the other day thinking, when did I last plug that in? Um, but then I thought to myself, well, actually, you know, I don't really need to. Hang on, let's just do this. There we go. That's, uh, oh, that's the um, that awesome uh, Nintendo Switch 51 Worldwide Games playing there on the switch well I, what my daughter was playing earlier the thing about the switch is it's really easy to pick up and it, it's lightweight and it's as light as a tablet i mean essentially it's a tablet with two controllers on the side and my four-year-old absolutely loves playing the 51 worldwide games <laughs> what are her favorite games in it i haven't played that but i did watch a video about the best games in it that's the one that has like chess and reverse yep and yep card games right okay i don't know what game this is it's got some co- it's got some counters black and white counters this is one of those uh um how do i get out of the game it's called gomoku i was going to say this is one of those classic old games isn't it and that's a two-player game that you play sort of with with the switch on a table and someone sits opposite you and you you take turns okay yeah i think that's also is that reversey is that kind of the same type of game um i don't know because there's 51 games that you're asking me to think about now um Mm. no okay it's not the same <laughs> there was a game that was no it's not that i'm looking at the rules it's different okay. there, i don't i feel like the game i don't know what else is called reversey it was in like it was included with like windows xp i think reversey othello is a different version that's the one where there's one player is black one player is white right and you take you take turns putting chips down and you're trying to when you put a piece down and you're able to sandwich your opponent's pieces in between two of your color then okay. all the ones in between flip to your color. Oh, right. Okay. It's, like a, it's like a basic strategy, a strategy game. Yeah, I feel, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I don't really hear too many people talk about that. I don't know if it's included in that collection or not, but that's a fun little game. Well, for some reason, the um, controller isn't being particularly kind to me at the moment. There must be... I haven't got time to reconfigure it right now, but uh, I'm just looking. Okay, so back to the point that I started before I started talking about Fish on Worldwide Games. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to give you some game titles that I have installed or have on a cartridge on the Switch, okay? And see if you can spot a pattern. Nintendo Duke, sorry, Duke Nukem 20th Anniversary World Tour, or Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary World Tour. Turrican Flashback, Super Mario Bros. 35, Super Nintendo Entertainment System Collection. And I think that, that one features a bunch of great games which will appear in front of me any moment now and i think the point has already been illustrated these are all retro games now we've got new games we've got like lego games on there and a few other bits and bobs there's the um excellent ian livingston fire top mountain game as well we've got but oh and just dance um just but, dance uh, classic yes 
Um, yeah, here we go. So we've got the Donkey Kong Country 3, we've got the Ignition Factor, we've got the Peacekeepers, Logic Bomb, Donkey Kong Country Original, Wild Guns, Super Mario All-Stars, Smash Tennis, Star Fox 2. The point I'm making, obviously, is that there's a bunch of retro games. And I think, um, I, as I might have mentioned in previous podcasts, I've launched a uh, retro gaming site uh, called GamingRetro.co.uk and there's a bunch of devices come out every few weeks and they create little retro gaming devices there's a thing called the odroid which owes a lot to the design of the nintendo switch but i am becoming increasingly of the opinion that the nintendo switch is actually for all it being a current gen or last gen or bridging gen whatever you want to call it a gaming platform i think it's the best retro gaming platform out there as well yeah, I think it does a lot right. It's interesting that you bring that up as your favorite category of games on it because in preparation, I was scrolling through my library on the Switch and trying to look at... I was trying to group the games that I really like in the categories because mm. I was thinking, you know, there's the first-party Nintendo games, and then there's games that Nintendo publish but another party developed that are really good, and then there's the indie games were kind of the three major categories I came up with. But yeah, there are so many classic collections um that have kind of been scattered on every different system but it does seem like they've done a great job with them here and and most a lot of third party stuff too um like everything most of what you listed wasn't even nintendo's own stuff no i know a lot of people have talked about how they they wish nintendo would do more even with like the virtual console it's not really on the switch um they kind of like trickle out new games for the nes online and the snes online collections um people say it'd be cool to have like super uh, n64 games on the system so they could do a whole lot more but even what we have is is pretty darn good there's a lot of chance to catch up on the classics if you miss them for whatever reason yeah definitely i mean you, the, the myriad of reasons i mean here in the uk most people had computers until the mid 90s and then people started getting games consoles more again so you kind of went from like atari and similar things in the early 80s then people started getting computers like commodore 64 spectrums atari sts and sts and the amiga 500 600 and 1200 and then mid 90s people started going back towards consoles when the um the snares and the mega drive slash genesis and then later on the playstation came out so there's, there's a kind of a period sort of um um sega master system and nintendo entertainment system era where most people own computers rather than consoles so there's a lot of games from that particular period that most people in the uk don't know or don't know about so having the option to play them on the switch is really cool and for for next to nothing as well um yeah yeah having it thrown in with a subscription is nice the duke nukem game i've been playing is duke nukem 3d 20th anniversary world tour now duke nukem is a little bit of a um a little bit naughty in places it's not suitable for children i've actually got it um i've got it locked to parental so you can only play it if you're on use the print on unlock feature on here and the great thing about it is not only does it combine all the different ver versions of the original Duke Nukem game and its expansion packs it also has you can select between the remastered graphics and the original graphics and I've seen that a lot recently with uh, remastered games including the classic graphics along with like these nice polished up up um, upscaled graphics it's a nice feature to have yeah, I like. I wrote an article. I think we might have talked about it last show about video game preservation. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really cool part of these re-releases. Like, if you want to experience the old version, it gives you a way to play that on an, a modern console, um, 
where you don't have to break out the old one, but then it has all the new advancements too. Um, something else I think is cool that the, the Spyro Reignited trilogy did is they they touched up the music. They didn't like completely redo it, but they added some dynamic elements in. So when you're charging, it ramps up like the percussion and the music. But in the menu, you can switch between the old or the new soundtracks, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's a small difference, but still cool if you prefer the original or you want to go back and forth to see what changes they made for your favorite level or whatever. I like I like little touches like that. I'm pretty sure that um, Dragon Quest Eleven, um, like you can it's like an open-ish world RPG, and there's a way you can like play the whole game with the old graphics, like top-down oh, wow. eight bit. Yeah, I could be wrong. I'm maybe thinking of the wrong game, but that sounds pretty cool. It reminds me as well of the um, we won't provide any links to this. The GoldenEye sixty-four remake for xbox which was never released and then was leaked earlier in 2021 and there are places that you can get to online to download it i think it was hosting the internet archive for a time and that has two modes that has a mode that's exactly the same as the old nintendo 64 version and then there's a upscaled version for xbox 360 it was intended to be released on xbox live in around 2007 2008 but wasn't for some reason or other it is a different game to the GoldenEye that's on the wii it is all it is absolutely the it's, nintendo 64 version and you okay, can have yeah, both yeah. versions both uh, views in it that makes sense i i know that they released um perfect dark which is like the you know successor to golden eye and everything but name basically um that that's on xbox 360 and that, that's part of rare replay but i would guess there were some legal issues with the mm. 007 name but yeah it's, it's cool when that stuff is re-released for a new era like i said with the with the preservation aspect absolutely and we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that the really useful podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts so we're on apple podcasts we're on spotify we're on google podcasts we're hosted at transistor.fm so you can find us there as well we're also on youtube and of course on makeuseof.com. Now, however you subscribe to the Really Useful Podcast and listen to us, it would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights. You'll find the link to our Apple Podcast page in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Uh, now, the Nintendo Switch, um, as you probably know, is a screen with two controllers on the side that you remove, and then you can connect them to like the um, the, the unified controller, or you can uh, use the little wristband things and have two-player action because they, they they double up as a single controller and as individual controllers. Which is, I mean, I I'm still having trouble getting over that. It's just su- such a clever idea that no one else has done it, or certainly no one else has done it in any notable way. But the Nintendo Switch Lite does not have the removable controllers, and I find that quite frustrating to such an extent that I refuse to use Nintendo Switch Lite. Am I alone in this? Uh, no, you're not alone. I mean, part, some of this is I usually get systems pretty early in their life, and I did with the Switch. I got it the day it came out. So like when they release different revisions and things like this, it, it feels like anyone that got it early, like you'd have to buy a whole new system just to use it. So I don't really do that usually. But yeah, the Switch Lite is just a handheld. Um, I, I've played my Switch 
98% of what I've played has been at home docked to the TV. Um, the only time I played in handheld mode really is like when I'm on a plane. Mm-hmm. So I, I've almost never played anywhere but the TV. So the switch light would not be for me, but I think it's a good option, you know, but maybe for like a kid that wants to play Pokemon or something that would be playing it like in their room and doesn't have a TV maybe, um, or plays in the car a lot of the time. I think it's a great choice for that, but yeah, anytime you want to take the controllers off, you know, you have to buy another set of controllers and there's some games where you have to use the motion aspects of the Joy-Con. Yeah. And so you can't use that with the Switch Lite. So if you buy a game like Ring Fit Adventure or something, you got to get a whole other set of controllers just to play it. So that's six. That's sixty. I mean, that's sixty pound. What? How much would that cost you in the US? I think it's. I think they're seventy dollars well, for a, yeah. for a pair of two. Although I just did. Um, I, I'm, I have a couple like Amazon product review um, companies that I have connected with. I guess um, to where when they have a new product, they'll email me about it and then they'll send me a review copy of it. Um, and I actually just reviewed some like third party joy cons that were, I think they were $50. So $20 less than the official ones. Um, and I was pretty impressed with them. I mean, there was kind of a, a lot of memes that go around about like the generic, like mad cats controllers that we used as kids on the GameCube and the older systems. But I, I think these were pretty good. Um, there was a couple small compromises, but for like having a backup pair, yeah. If your Joy-Cons are going bad or whatever, they weren't too bad. But yeah, 70 bucks is steep for a controller. Although it I is. think that's what the new Xbox Series S and X and PS5 controllers cost. Yeah, it is. They, they are expensive. We um, we bought, just to um, step aside from the Switch for a moment, we bought a £20 or £25 Xbox One controller recently, USB, not wireless. And it's perfectly good. The only problem is that... Uh, it does disconnect itself occasionally because there's very little friction for the USB connector inside. So that, that is a problem. Uh, but the actual, the actual feel of the controller is, in t- not in terms, not the grip, but the actual movement and sensation and the responsiveness from the controls and the buttons are absolutely fine. But uh, it feels a little bit different and it's prone to disconnection. Um, speaking of controllers, we have a guide that make use of the 10 best Nintendo Switch controllers. Now, I haven't really considered... Uh, Yet, well, I, I fib slightly. I have considered getting a second pair of Joy Cons, but beyond that, I haven't really looked into any controllers or accessories for the Nintendo Switch. Do you use anything besides the default Joy Cons? Um, accessories. So I've had a Pro controller from day one. I okay. use that almost all the time. I love the Pro controller. I think it's a fantastic controller overall. Um, I have, I'm not like huge hands, but my hands, I guess, are bigger than average so i knew like when i got the switch and i got zelda i knew i didn't want to be playing zelda with the tiny joy cons in the grip i mean it's a great option to have that but for me i knew i wanted like a bigger controller um so i have that i have a third party dock that that you can use to charge the joy con it's pretty cool it has it has four slots you can charge four joy con at once Mm -hmm. but then on one side there's a usb-c plug at the bottom so you could charge two joy con and then stick your pro controller on there um other than that yeah i mean i have I have GameCube controllers, original ones that I use with it. I have a GameCube adapter to use those with the Switch, and I have like a carrying case. I don't have any other like wacky controllers, like these 8-bit game pads or anything like that. I just use the Pro Controller and those Joy-Cons I mentioned. One more, do you have any other accessories for your Switch? Um, I'm trying to think. Other than, like I said, the carrying case and like a stand that I bought for like using it on a plane. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have. Mm. The, the GameCube adapter. 
SD card, obviously, but nothing like super exciting. I don't have any like um, skins or anything for it like that. No, same here. I've got a stand which I bought quite recently, actually, and a uh, and the case as well, and a USB C and HDMI adapter for using it without the dock, which uh, I'll add in the show notes because I actually did a tutorial to show you how to do that. But I have discovered, I didn't realize this at first. I was playing around with the dock in order to do this. And obviously I knew that the back came off the dock and everything, but I didn't realize how kind of um, customizable the dock was. You can get loads of kind of skins or replacement faceplates for the dock, can't you? Yeah, I think that that is cool. I tend to not do that just because I get, it's usually like, it's, it's a little bit more expensive. And I just think if it works, I don't really care what it looks like kind of thing i do like them the idea of them yeah. I, I saw when the ps5 came out i saw that um i think it's d brands or some company is selling a bunch of like dark face plates for the ps5 which look really cool but for the price i'd rather like you know especially because you know you run out of storage and you got to get a s- expansion drive for the system i'd rather put the money towards that than something that just to change the way it looks that doesn't really do anything practical that's just how i am but um the different Joy-Cons are really cool, too. I just have the red and blue, and then I got gray ones with my system. But um, Nintendo's re-releasing uh, Zelda Skyward Sword in July, and there's special Skyward Sword Joy-Cons that look pretty cool. I, I'm not going to get them because they're expensive and probably going to sell out instantly, but um, they do look really neat if you're a Zelda fan. Now, uh, we mentioned earlier, or Ben did, Nintendo Switch Online. And I mean, that's something I subscribe to. It's it's a bit of a benefit. I'm not the type of person who's particularly prone to subscribing to things. Uh, in this house, basically, the only things I subscribe to personally were Amazon Prime and BritBox in order to watch all British comedy shows. And getting a Nintendo Switch recently, I found it, it appeared to be more beneficial to, I think there was a free uh, trial period of several months as well, but was to, 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 to embrace nintendo switch online ben um you probably know more about nintendo switch online than i do i I kind of feel like it was kind of a good idea yeah there's a few um it's not perfect but it's pretty good for what it is so basically a nintendo switch online is it's 20 dollars a year which is much cheaper than xbox live gold or playstation plus uh, on the other uh, respective systems um you have to have it to play games online, which isn't as big of a draw since a lot of the best Switch games are single player. But if you want to play um, Mario Kart 8 or Smash Brothers or anything else online, you have to have Switch online for it. Um, not for free games, though. So like Fortnite is free to play online. Um, the biggest benefit of Switch online, other than playing online, is that you get um, the Super Nintendo and the NES access uh, to those classic libraries as we talked about. Yeah. So you get couple dozen games on each system uh, that they release new ones every so often where you can play as much as you want and it, it has some convenience features like being able to rewind your mistakes and save states so you can save even if the original game didn't have saving um you get cloud saves too which is always a good thing so you know you don't want to have your 80 hour breath of the wild save get corrupted so uh, having that backed up is a good thing and then you get some special offers here and there um i mentioned the i don't know if i mentioned the Tetris 99 and Pac-Man 99, those Battle Royale games, those yeah. are free if you have Switch Online. Uh, there's no additional cost for those. So, yeah, I think it's if, – if you're interested in playing anything online or you think you would play um, 
the classic NES or Super NES games, it's more than worth it. And there's a family subscription too. So for, I think, was it $35? You can have up to eight people um, join your account and they don't have to live with you. So if you have a couple friends that have to switch, that's an arena. It's super cheap for everyone. There is a lot to it. And you, you, I mean, if you just take your switch on and uh, after subscribing to it and just start browsing through, you might not notice the actual benefits that you're getting from it. But I mean, I've certainly found lots of useful things in there, new games, and more than worth the money that you pay for it uh, in comparison to the other services for the other consoles. Yeah, and the the, the main thing that people kind of well there's two main things that people get upset at nintendo for in this regard so um the first one is that voice chat on the switch uh, sucks there's not really any other good way to put it um their official solution for voice chatting is that you download an app on your phone which is free and then if you have switch online you can voice chat in supported games like splatoon 2 for example but um there's a famous picture that kind of went viral when they unveiled this where like you have to plug a you have to plug headphones into your phone to talk on the app, but then you also want to be able to hear the game. So it's just so much more convoluted than on PlayStation or Xbox where you can just use a Bluetooth headset and hear both the game audio and the chat audio or a wired headset that you can plug right into the controller. So that stinks. Um, and then the, the overall just online infrastructure, um, people aren't super happy with Nintendo about. Um, it's better than it was on the Wii and Wii U and the 3DS, but you know, playing Smash Online, you still get lag spikes and disconnections and all kinds of problems like that. So some games work okay, but a lot of games, it's subpar. So for what you're paying, it's not terrible, but it's kind of a joke that Nintendo is still really behind on the online uh, play these days. Is that the same mobile app that I would use for parental control and stuff? Or is it a different app? It's Yeah, it's just one app called Nintendo Switch Online. So the main thing that lets you do is is the voice chat. Um, it's also, it has a, a game-specific services section as well. So, for example, like in Splatoon 2, you can buy exclusive gear, and then it'll be waiting for you when you start the game. Right. Um, Nintendo, or not Nintendo, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons has a couple things where you can um, type. If you're, When you're playing in the game, you can open up the app on your phone to type to your friends instead of having to use the keyboard on the system. Um, you can mark people as your best friend in the game, like little like accessory options to it. Uh, nothing like huge, but definitely stripped down compared to what you get on the uh, PlayStation or Xbox apps where you can browse your uh, friends who are online and you can buy, uh, buy games and download games. So they're ready to go on your system. It's not quite as robust as that. So for the price, I still think it's worth it, but it, it could be a, a little bit better. I think the focus really is more on uh, local play local multiplayer really isn't it with the switch than online multiplayer although the feature is there and the functionality is good enough beyond the all those things you just mentioned it it, it is by definition a local multiplayer device with two it, it ships with two controllers yeah i would agree it's, and it's definitely refreshing to be honest um before so before the switch i I feel like I didn't really play. I, I like local multiplayer. I have great memories of being a kid and playing like co-op games with my friend yeah. or, you know, being at a birthday party or whatever and playing Smash Brothers. So I feel like that's kind of a lost art now. Like I had a couple multiplayer games on my PS4. Um, I would play when like my family or friends came over, like overcooked or whatever. But, you know, 90% of the time I'm playing games on PlayStation myself. So I don't have seven controllers sitting around for everyone that wants yeah. to play. 
where I was on the Switch, you know, like you said, it comes with two controllers. I got the Pro Controller um, when I got the system. And then the game when the GameCube adapter was made available, you know, I already have GameCube controllers sitting around. So I, And you can split those Joy-Cons into two. So you buy another set of those and then playing Smash with six or seven people or having four comfortable controllers for people to use for Mario Tennis or whatever, it's not a big deal. No. Um, and the Switch is compact. So I've, I've done that way more since the Switch come out has come out. I'll bring my system to someone's house and we'll just set the dock up and play whatever we want to play. It's much easier than all the hassle of bringing a PlayStation or Xbox over to someone's house to play local multiplayer with. And there's so many great games to do it with on the Switch too. Do people actually do that with Xboxes or Playstations? I don't know. They make carrying cases. I remember when I was in college one year, I got a carrying case for my PS4 for Christmas just so I could transport it back and forth a little bit easier because I used to you know, bring it home when I was on a break or for the summer or whatever. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if, if people do that too much. But, you know, when, when, like I said, when I had when family came over for a holiday or something, we would play some kind of co-op game on yeah, yeah. Um, PlayStation, but there weren't that many. Usually it was just some random game that I had from PS Plus that was free. We would try them and most of them were kind of terrible but every once in a while you get the the diamond in the rough but the switch has so many good ones i mean you have obviously the first party nintendo games we've talked about but there's so many good indie games um tower fall is one that i always play with my friends we've had a great time with that it's like a simple kind of like i can't really compare it to smash brothers it's like a one screen game where everyone you're everyone's an archer so you have a couple of arrows you can basically just jump, dodge, and um, kick off of walls. And you're trying to either shoot your opponents with arrows or bop on their head. And the last person standing gets a point. Or you get a point for everyone you kill. It's super simple. It's made by the same people that made Celeste, which is a great platformer. So those type of games are just classic. Like sit on the couch with your friends and have some chips and enjoy your time, you know? Sounds great. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're getting towards the end of this week's release of podcast now. I wish we, we, we're getting to celebrating the Nintendo Switch and maybe suggesting, I guess, if you don't have one already, you probably should have one if you have people, whether or not you've got a gang of people to play with or not, because there's some great games on there. One of the great things I love about it is the fact that it takes cartridges. And, you know, because games don't generally take cartridges in 2021, do they? Except they do, obviously, because you've got this tiny little cartridge that's, I mean, I mean, is it about the same size as a PS Vita cartridge? Yeah, somewhere in there. Or if you, a stamp, probably, I would say, if you're not familiar with the Vita, it's <laughs> yeah, a stamp. tiny. No, it is. It's, it's yeah, small it's than a 3DS cartridge. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing, starting to play Breath of the Wild and wondering how on earth did they fit that on a cartridge. Like, it's mm. a huge world. It is crazy what they can fit on that little thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that, and then I, I also own an Evercade, and that the games for that run cartridge as well. So uh, it's 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 a, a, a growing trend, perhaps, maybe. I, I do like cartridges, though, and I, I, I like the having something to touch. The, ta the tacticity, I think, is what I'm looking for. Of yeah, having like physical, the tactile feedback. Yeah, yeah, just having something physical that you can put in and out. There's something, you know, optical discs are okay, and they're good enough. But, you know, there's something more... There is a link to the past with cartridges. I think... You use a link to the past. That's a good play on words there. If you meant that, I don't know if you intended the pun, but... No, I didn't. That's one of, that's the Zelda, <laughs> Zelda game on the Super Nintendo is called A Link to the Past. <laughs> I did not mean that at all. This this one I've got here, I think this costs around 270, 300 pounds. How much is a Switch in the US? $300 for the main switch and mm. then 200 for the switch lights right. is the sticker price for it. Yeah, I think it's roughly about the same here, the same sort of comparison difference there. So it, it is a great system. It's a good system. It's got loads to it. 
you can do so much with it. And I think, you know, Wii U aside, Nintendo have always developed consoles that seem to appeal to a wider range of people in the family, let's say, or in a group of friends than, say, Sony do with the PlayStation and Microsoft do the Xbox. It's more of a unifier because they are intrinsically multiplayer devices, aren't they? Yeah, I would, and, and it's funny that you say that Nintendo is always focused on building fam, not, fa- not family friendly per se, but just devices the whole family can enjoy. Because you could argue that the times that they haven't done that have been the systems that failed for them. Because the GameCube was pretty played it pretty safe. It was kind of a Me Too system after the the PlayStation and Xbox, mm-hmm. um, and the Wii U, like we talked about earlier, kind of tried to appeal to more hardcore players but didn't really appeal to anyone compared to the Wii which yeah. obviously print printed money and then the Switch which has been a smashing success too so it is kind of interesting that the systems where they've kind of gone their own way and just appealed to the, the family audience have been kind of their best sellers yeah absolutely um i mean i'm not entirely sure how we conclude this week's really useful podcast. I guess you've been using the Switch longer than I have, so maybe I'll leave it to you. Yeah, I guess it's hard to kind of conclude. We've talked a lot about the good and the bad. Um, I guess I would say, you know, if you don't have a Switch and you're into gaming, it would it's definitely a good buy. Um, I would say the, the only drawback, I guess, is if, if you want to play games like, you know, they've ported like Overwatch and the, the new Doom games and some of those titles to the Switch probably those aren't best played on switch you know they run at a lower frame rate and they have to cut some corners it's incredible that they got those games to run on the switch but you know if you're looking to play the newest shooters and games like that probably want to play those on one of the other consoles or on pc but for anyone else i mean like i said there's so many great games even just nintendo's first party lineup i mean zelda breath of the wild mario odyssey are both like genre defining games um splatoon 2 is awesome luigi's mansion mario tennis is fun smash ultimate is great you have all the third-party games that nintendo uh published but didn't develop like astral chain mario and rabbits kingdom battle cadence of hyrule and then so many indie games so if you've been out of gaming for a little bit and maybe you haven't experienced indie classics um undertales on switch uh super meat boys on switch i mean there's and, and a lot of indie games come to PC and Switch. So even if they don't come to PlayStation right away, like Hades, I think that was a smash hit last year. I think that was on um, PC and Switch only at launch. So, I mean, yeah, if, there, if, if there's, if, if you like anything in that era or that, that genre of games, you'll find something to love with the Switch. Yeah. And there's plenty of the kind of current free multiplayer games like Rocket League. They're also That's available. true. Yep. Yeah. Well, Rocket League. And some of those are cross platform too. So yeah. Rocket League works across um, systems. You'll have to work out something with voice chat. But, you know, if your friends play on PC or they're on PlayStation, you can download Rocket League for free and, and join them. And like we said earlier, you don't have to have Switch Online to play free to play games online. So Fortnite, Rocket League, Apex Legends. Yeah. They're all there. They're all there. So that's it. The really useful podcast about the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we've provided you a few uh, links there topic discussions which you'll find in the show notes we'll be back next time for another really useful podcast until then it's goodbye from us